I believe creativity is really related to to freedom, and you have to be willing to learn everyday different things to keep creative. Um, I believe, yeah, the more you learn, the more you you can you can develop your creativity. There, there's no creativity without uh, wisdom, I believe. All right, that was a clip from my interview with Bruno Leon Curie. He is a colorist and video editor from Brazil who studied film and animation. He was studying film at Vancouver Film School out west. Super cool guy, young guy, and really making serious waves, doing some really interesting uh, commercial work as well as sim as well as cinematic work in Brazil. It was a really interesting episode. We speak about the process of color grading, why getting color is so important, and what that can convey when you're watching content, as well as some of the challenges of working as a freelance artist. So stay tuned, you're going in deeper with me, your host, Alex Leonard, let's go. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with somebody that you know that you think would find value in this. This is Alex Leonard, host of the Creative Kind podcast and owner of the creative company AL Media. My business specializes in videos, mural paintings, and illustrations. From working as a radio DJ, journalist, illustrator, painter, and now video editor, I've worn many creative hats. So visit alexleonardmedia.com to work together. Bruno Curry, thank you so much for coming on the Creative Kind podcast. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you. And it's cool because I think you are the only color uh, professional color grader that I have for this season. Maybe I'll bring another one on. I was thinking about maybe uh, getting Denver Riddle, but I know he's a, he's a busy guy. I don't know if you know Denver. We'll get into that. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the work that you do. And I really want to just dive into it. I feel like color grading is something that uh, a lot of people like don't necessarily, they're not necessarily aware of that as like such a craft and such a skill in its own right. And there's mm-hmm. something that I realized in my own videos uh, in the past uh, before I kind of embarked on Denver's course. I was like, man, I need to improve my color grading. Like I was just boosting saturation, thinking that that was going <laughs> to help on every video. And obviously that's, you know, a very uh, blanket approach. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about uh, where you are right now uh, in the world, uh, your education background. And uh, yeah, let's start with that at least and yourself. And yeah. Sure. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me for the podcast. I was very happy when I received your message on LinkedIn. I was feeling very, I was surprised and like excited at the same time. Oh, someone invited me to like talk about like the color grading process and everything. I was super, super happy when I received your message. Uh, I'm Bruno, I'm from Brazil originally. I, I, I went to a college here in Brazil for film production. And then I decided to go to Vancouver, Canada to study more about film production there too. I went to the film production program in Vancouver Film School. And it was there actually, like before in Brazil, I used to work as an editor uh, in companies here. And in, in VFS, in Vancouver, I 
I got more into coloring, the coloring process. And I was able to like color uh, final projects and short films there. And I realized that that was uh, what I wanted to do to become a professional. And I'm still like, uh, I can say crawling in color grading. I'm still in the beginning of it, but every day I'm looking to learn more. And I'm using also like this lockdown times and the pandemic times to keep studying and getting courses along the way. And right now, uh, I'm in Brazil right now, and I'm planning to go back to Vancouver as soon as like my student visa uh, gets issued by the government. I'm right now studying at BCIT in the Advanced Diploma Business Management Program. program. And uh, yeah, as soon as possible, I want to go back and keep working as a colorist there. Nice. And... Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So that you have you have some background education in Brazil. You have some education in Vancouver as well. And you mentioned that you know in that period, I think you were saying when you were in Vancouver, that was when you really started to get a passion for color grading. What do you think uh, triggered, or what do you think was the genesis to you being like, you know what, like color grading, like that's something that I I really enjoy doing and. I, that is really the niche that I want to uh, become a master in. In Brazil, I used to work a little bit as a colorist. I never got that much uh, into it in Brazil. But in Canada, during VFS, I, I think because one of the, one of, one of the processes there, so you, you, when you go to VFS for the film production program, the first uh, three months, you do everything. You play as a director, cinematographer, you go to post-production, art directing, everything. And then you choose uh, two, two streams to become professional. And then I chose directing and post-production. And in post, we go to editing, sound mixing, and coloring. And because I got way more focused there, I had classes about it. And I, I had the opportunity to really understand the, the process of coloring, the importance uh, of grading in a movie to tell the story, to play with the emotions of the the ones that are that are watching the movie, and I it's so powerful. And I I realized that you can you can change so much. You can tell so many different stories with the same image, uh, and that that uh, really caught my attention to like keep keep working on that and developing even more of my skills. I think that was like the the many possibilities you can play with color made me wanna work with that so much yeah that's that's really cool and and i want to say congratulations for embarking on that as a journey and it's it's interesting because i think people don't necessarily i feel like color uh is often overlooked by videographers and we don't realize the importance of using color and you know creating moods around color uh to really you know, spark emotion or to create interest and intrigue or to almost like juxtapose what you see visually, right? Like really dark blue, greenish hues in a really happy scene can signify there's something sinister about the, the scene. And, and for me, part of my experience with color grading comes from Denver Riddle's Color Grading Academy. And so for you, what have you found has been 
one of the best resources or assets uh, to really bring your skill with color grading to a, a whole new level? Is it just like experience? Did you do a course? Is it, is it was it VFS, uh, Vancouver Film School? Or yeah, was it just working with clients? What what has really been kind of the, the big uh, process for you that helped you say, take it to that next level in terms of professionalism? I, I believe it has, to, it has to do with like consistency and practice. The more you practice, and even if you do just like 30 minutes or one hour every day, the important is like doing every day because then you, every time you do something, you learn something different. And about courses, it, it's funny to talk about Denver because I, I saw his uh, course on Facebook a lot of times and I was about to get it, but I didn't because I was like kind of short money by the time, but I'm, I'm planning to get his program as soon as I can because it looks very, very uh, complete and, and we're full of information and so many interesting steps that he covers in that. Uh, I, I was studying a program from, from a website called Film Simplified that I also, I also found on Facebook when I was like doing researches about it. And that program was also really good. And, but then what I think is the most important is when you get jobs with different aspects. If you get like advertising, if you get short films, uh, you see the difference between them and the client always wants something different for the story or for the product. So the more you get different projects, the more you get different clients and different languages, such as short films or advertising or music videos, you're always gonna develop your skills. And it's, it's also interesting when you, today with internet, you can get so many uh, different footage, free footage from the internet. You, know, you, can, you can download like raw images or S-log images, and then you can keep practicing. And also for free, you have YouTube with like unlimited uh, tutorials or people showing their processes uh, in coloring because there, there's no right process. I mean, with nodes in Resolve, they, there's a specific way that they work. Uh, you have to respect that kind of. But in the end, the way you apply your look, the way you apply your masks, or it's completely up to you. The way you used to treat your skin tones or your background, it's completely up to you. And then the more you see those guys working, the more you watch tutorials or get these different programs, the more you learn and the more you understand, okay, I, I, I'm more comfortable uh, working in this way. You know? And then you learn in a different way. And then so maybe this way is interesting and it works better for this specific image. Uh, so I believe like if you do every day a little bit, you're always gonna improve. Yeah, yeah, that's really sound advice. And so you mentioned Resolve there. I mean, Resolve is primarily what I edit on, uh, both for video as well as the color grading. I mean, Resolve uh, 17, especially now, is just such a powerhouse. Is that is that what you typically edit on uh, and color grade on? Or do you like round trip between Premiere and then you color grade in uh, Resolve? What is kind of your editing flow in terms of software look like? Right now for coloring, it's DaVinci. I didn't get the, the, the last version yet, the 17. I'm, I'm still with the 16, which is also super powerful and amazing because I'm, I, I still have a lot of uh, projects on 16 that I didn't finish. And if I change to 17, it might get some errors and I might, I might lose something. So I'm just waiting to finish everything that I have right now so I can get the 17. 
but for editing, I still use Premiere. Uh, and I would just like to say that the round trip, uh, and export the XML to resolve, and then I call her there, and then I do the round trip back to Premiere and export from there. In VFS, I learned, I finally learned Avid Media, Com Media Composer, which is, uh, I think, the, the best and the most complete uh, editing tool that uh, most professionals use for feature films, large documentaries, because it's so, it's a, it has a way to organize your file way better. And, but for, for, for us that we are, that I'm using for small projects uh, and quick projects, Premiere works just fine. But uh, when I, when I work with like big uh, products, big, big movies and larger, uh, uh, features, let's say, uh, Avid, it's, it works way better. But mainly it's Premiere and Resolve and I do the round trip between them. Hmm. Good to know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I personally don't do the round trip. I just keep everything on Resolve. But I know that that is a pretty common like workflow. And um, yeah, so that, that's cool to know. And I, I'm curious, when it comes for you for client acquisition are like how does that look in terms of your lead generation have you found that you've returned to a lot of the same clients um that you've previously worked with uh do you you know if say you work with a director your work will continue to work on films that they're creating and and do you like are you on like Fiverr or anything? Like I've considered myself going on like Fiverr or um, Upwork to work as a like remote colorist. So tell talk to me about your lead generation essentially. I, I see Fiverr, the website, for creating your profile there and like showing your work, but I, I didn't do that yet. Right now I have a page on Vimeo with my demo reel there. And I I have a Behance page as well which I don't use that often because mostly the projects that I work on, they, they release the, the videos in their own uh, uh, professional pages. So every time I, I usually show pictures or, the, or I put the, the best pieces in my demo reel to show to other clients. And right now I have two clients that I, that I fixed that every time they have something, they come to me. To, to work on. And some of them, it's working as a freelance right now, it's pretty uh, challenging because uh, I, I get in touch with people from Canada, people from New York, people from London, and doing the sending files and receiving files and all the process is very challenging because sometimes they have such huge files and to receive all like 50, 100 gigabytes of files and then send it back it's pretty pretty challenging and some some people they decide not to go forward because they 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 want to find someone that is closer to them to make this process easier but right now um, i'm i'm going to start coloring a vfs project next week and i have an advertising in brazil also and most of those clients I always share my demo reel on Facebook groups or LinkedIn, or I send to people that I know in the industry that they might know someone that are interested in 
coloring for some reason if they are doing a project a music video or uh, a show or a short film and they always get to me and then we start talking about the process about uh, price deadlines and things like that yeah that's cool and it's something that I actually don't know by hand, so I'll have to check that out. Uh, Facebook groups is a tactic that I've heard repeated a lot, and I personally have yet to really embark on that. But I can on I can see that being definitely a trove of potential clients, and it's something that I've been meaning to do myself is to go in like these local, you know, small business groups and be like, hey, if any if anyone needs any video editing, I'm here, right and you know, even to provide services like what you're doing, right? Like just as, as a color grade. Uh, no, I, th I think that's that's a really a smart approach. Have you had much success with uh, outreach in Facebook groups? Yes, we, with Facebook groups, like uh, the most, basically. Every time I update my demo reel, I throw there. At first, there, there's so many, so many groups. And some of them, sometimes, they are, people can be mean there that that's something complicated i see people that are starting and they post some like pictures and people just don't 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 want to give feedback and so they are just mean which which in the beginning when people someone's trying to put things there i, I wouldn't recommend because you, you might get discouraged with people like that but at the same time there are a lot of nice people in those groups uh and linkedin as well uh, i think it's really important a few years ago, I, I didn't care that much for LinkedIn, but I just started noticing how important is that, uh, like the website, the, the social media, not specifically like to get uh, jobs or anything, but to make connections. You can meet so many different people from different places and you can just send them an, a message. You know, probably from 100 messages, you're going to send to 100 people, three or four are going to uh, get back to you. But it, it's something. It's better than than, than nothing, and you, you can get started building network and developing uh, new contacts, which, which well, whatever you are, which is great. But mostly, yeah, Facebook has been has been good to me in, in that matter for showing my work and getting more freelances. Yeah, it's uh, LinkedIn for sure, and I feel like in the past, like five years, like LinkedIn's really become. Uh, a lot more serious in the business community, right? Like I, even two years ago, was doing a lot of outreach on LinkedIn. I, and like some of that, you know, I was doing like a sales program at the time where I was just powering out messages. And, uh, you know, I post pretty consistently on LinkedIn. Not every post blows up. But that being said, it's it's kind of a long, it's a long con, essentially, like I could say, right? Like, just by being active, um, just by being present. I was listening to this podcast the other day and they were talking about uh, LinkedIn growth strategies. And, you know, they were critiquing all these people who you see on like Facebook and stuff that are like, get rich quick. All the, They're like, some of the people who we work with, they were in our network for years before they decided to work with us. But we were able to consistently provide value online we were always top of mind right so by the time that it came to a buying decision right like we were t top contestant for them because we had been so present in their feed and we had been so present in providing value first right 
and like so i guess i guess kind of a question from this as a colorist someone who specializes in this you know i think a reel is really important um what are other ways that you think that you can give value through color grading as as you know a uh, creative uh creative skill and showing that and displaying that right like of course there's this the classic swipes but what are other ways do you think could be powerful to to really show in your skill through outreach and what what are ways that you've tried in terms of just marketing that you found to be successful that's a really good question uh but there is another another way that i think it's not only not only your, your demo reel which is like uh, the video that's your color and you show the process and that's something really interesting because once I attended to the Vancouver Post Alliance, they did like kind of, they, they gathered people that wanted to talk with professionals from the industry. And I was lucky enough to talk to a, an amazing colorist called Paul Ross from Vancouver. And, and then the first thing I always ask those professionals is like, see, hey, so for a demo reel, should I show the swipes or should I just like show the final image or what what's the best way to to show like my work and in the end it's very it's, it's very subjective a lot of them say hey like show the swipes it's just for me to see like where you started and where you got what you got in the end and for some people like no it doesn't matter where you started uh, in the end you know what you're showing to me as the final product it's what uh, makes me interesting about no oh, okay I see the black levels are level. I see the saturation tells this kind of, you know, because also coloring. Sometimes people people post things on Facebook. They just throw the image there and they ask, "Hey, uh, what do you think about my color grade?" And then basically it depends because I don't know the background. I don't know the context for the story. Is it a horror? Is it a music video? Do you want people to feel, I know, scared? Do you want people to feel like? Uh, with hope with your image like it really depends on the story and so true yeah and then this is cinematography it's like works so close to it you know because the coloring and cinematography are deeply connected you, you can't work with one and not take in consideration the other but there's another way that i i believe it's it's uh it's something that I, I'm, I'm about to to create which is like it's a Instagram page. And I see a lot of colorists doing that. And it's very interesting because it, it, it's faster. Everyone's connected to, to Instagram. And you can not only show your pictures, you can get like uh, still frames from your work, but you can also use like IGTV or put your videos there, such as a, your demo reel or like at least uh, small parts from a project that you worked on. And it's faster to share, I think. And if like someone's following you there, following your professional page, every time you post something, you're gonna you're gonna notice, you're gonna see. And the, the more you post things on your Instagram, I believe more they're gonna see that you're keep working and you're developing your skills. And I believe it's a good way of like marketing uh, your work. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's a good question, right? Like personally, for me, what I love to see, and maybe this is because I'm in the craft, right? Like, I maybe a client doesn't even want to see all the layers, but I love seeing uh, color grading videos 
where it shows like, okay, this is us like fixing the white balance, you know, this is us adding, you know, a little bit of contrast. This is us adding saturation, you know, like every stage of the color grade, like those are my favorite because then you can like really, you're like, oh wow, this isn't just like a quick swipe, like not just a one swipe, right? And I think if you have a mix of both, but showing like, hey, like this work is serious when you go through all the different nodes that you are creating on DaVinci Resolve to be like, yeah, like, you know, this is, this is part of the craft. It's not just a lot that I'm throwing on this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I share, I share the same opinion as yeah. you. And I, and I believe like what people don't take that much into consideration when they are doing a demo reel, it's music and the length. It's like, it has to be short. You, you, you try. I would say people don't don't try going over a minute, a minute and a half. Let's say, and you you can choose to do something very dynamic, very fast, like fast cuts, and your image is showing super fast. And then the song has to follow that. Uh, whereas, like if you choose to go, it depends. If if you the most videos you color, they are uh, slow dramas and. Then they're not have the, the fast pace. Sometimes choosing like uh, longer clips with a music that follows that same pace makes the, the the people that are watching they they keep connected to it. They don't lose themselves. So I think I think that's that's something else important when we we talk about demo reel. But and I definitely uh, agree with you. I, I like to see uh, the the reels that they have the the transitions. Maybe not like all the 10 or 12 nodes you work or even more, but the the most like, the ones that they really change the image, sometimes the, the white balancing, or when you, if you do like day to night, you know, some, sometimes people shut something during the day, but they want to make it night. That's, that happens a lot. Uh, those definitely are welcome when you're building your demo reel. Yeah, totally, totally. And let's, I kind of brought it up there and I want to get your uh, thoughts on this. Um, using LUTs, what, like, do you ever use LUTs? Is that just kind of like super taboo for colorists? Do you think LUTs have a place and would you recommend, um, them for someone who's really getting into video, right? Cause I feel like LUTs is, it's kind of like an Instagram filter, you know, it's just, it's easy to slap it on, but that's exactly what you're doing. You're slapping it on. It's not going to work cross project, right? Like what, what's your, what's your take on using LUTs in film? I, I believe using LUTs, there's no problem with that, but like don't simply get an image through a LUT and finish your work. You can use a LUT as a base to your process of grading. Sometimes you get an S-Log image and you want to bring that to like a Rec 709 loop. You can, you can go to DaVinci and like, they have like the Rec 709 LUT there. You can just throw to see, okay, this is what the cinematographer was kind of seeing when he, when he built like the, the process of photography in the movie. And then from, from that LUT, you can start building your grade. You can choose then to give your, the proper look. Because there, there's, there's, two thing, there, there's two different things, like there's the color correction and the color grading. First, the, the color correction comes first. You actually like balance the whites, put the levels where they should be, like the proper exposure, and you, you bring as your eye would 
like naturally see. And from that point, after you, you do the correction, you correct the image, the flaws that it might have, you go to the process of color grading, which then you give the look, you can make it realistic, you can make it fantastic, you can do so many different things. You can go to the like person, like if you're gonna do a horror, you can choose to make everything super dark with high contrast, or maybe you have a different process, you can lower your saturation because in the story, everything looks so dead and you wanna bring that up. And the possibilities when you do the color grading are like endless, but yeah, I think if you start with a lot to to know where you where you're gonna like start. Okay, I'm 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 seeing this. So let me do the let me still correct some flaws here and then go to the color grading process. I I don't think like people that say that oh don't use LUT at all. Nah, you can use it, but like don't just use it. You know, you have to. There's more steps to that, and LUT can be like one of these steps. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's a that's a solid point because as long as you have the color correction first, bringing that in next, I think is is a powerful use to get that base for a look, a style, and of course with your shooting on log, right? Having that reco nine is a good way to just get an idea. Um, so kind of coming close to wrapping things up here, Bruno. Um, how can people get a hold of you and see some of the work you've done? You know, we mentioned your portfolio, having your demo reel. Where, if they want to watch that, we talked about you on LinkedIn. What's your full name if they want to look you up there? Just how, yeah, how can people find you? Sure. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I think I don't have social media. I don't use that much as Twitter, but I should consider using because I see so many friends using it. I, I see how powerful it is. But you can find me. My, my full name is Bruno Leone Cudi. Uh, it's kind of hard, but yeah. And uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me uh, if you put there BR Curry 8. You can find me on basically all social medias. Amazing. And so, was there anything that you have coming up? Is there any project that you're working on uh, that you wanted to talk about, or anything that we didn't get a chance to chat about coming into this episode that you wanted to uh, that you wanted to talk about with me? I think we, we covered pretty much a lot of lot of things that I, I would like to talk. And right now I'm working on a at a Google Film School project, a final project. Uh, I just watched the, the, the last cut yesterday. And it's a thriller, which looks super interesting because super stylized. So I, I watched I I saw so many possibilities of uh, different like uh, approaches for the story. And I'm also working on advertising campaign in brazil and yeah so far that's it i'm trying to like um balance with the the bcat program so i'm not getting as much freelances as before but uh fortunately they are coming and i'm managing to like balance both and make time for a podcast too, of course. Of course, for <laughs> sure, always. <laughs> yeah, nice. And so last question for you here, man. What what does creativity mean to you? Oh, I wasn't expecting that. That's interesting. What, what creativity means to me. Exactly, yeah. I believe creativity, it's really related to, to freedom. And 
you have to be willing to learn everyday different things to keep creative. Um, I believe, yeah, the more you learn, the more you, you, can, you can develop your creativity. There, there's no creativity without uh, wisdom, I believe. That's awesome. I love, I love that answer. It's just, there's no creativity without wisdom and just the, the willingness to learn every day and to be really involved and to let, let life take you wherever it takes you and to just enjoy the process, right? Yeah, and you have to be, to be with your mind open to learn different things. That's when you, I, I believe creativity, there's a lot of, to do with that. When you open your, your mind to different areas, to different people, different cultures, the more you, you have uh, this background of developing uh, your own style and your, your own vision, whatever we'll work with, doesn't matter if coloring, editing, or not even related to like uh, film itself. It's always by learning different things you can get that get that information and then uh, express yourself in a better way. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, thank you so much, Bruno, for a lovely conversation about the power of color grading. This was a lot of fun chatting with you, and yeah, I just want to thank you and say, you know, hopefully you're able to return to Canada soon and keep keep growing, keep practicing, and keep crushing it, man. Yeah, thank you so much. I also appreciate a lot the you inviting me to the podcast. I hope people take good things from our talk. And yeah, definitely. I'll let you know as soon as I get back to Canada. So we're gonna be at least in the same basically in the same time zone. We can like keep conversation and can talk more about it. Well, I don't know. If you're in uh if you're in Brazil now, you're probably more closer to my time zone. Ah, that's true. You're gonna be in Toronto, yeah. Well, we can, we can, we can make work. Yeah, it's okay. Well, I still speak with people out west. Uh, okay, awesome, man. Thanks again. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right, that was my interview with Bruno Curry, the colorist from Brazil. What a delight to have him on the show. Next week, you're going to hear a very cool documentary filmmaker named Cornelia. She's worked with the German television station and is originally actually from Germany. Really interesting podcast guest. I can't wait to have her on the show. Super excited for that. And to continue to share everyone's story, I'm super excited as we grow the creative kind. So if you haven't yet, I'd love for you to leave me a review, whatever it is that you listen to podcasts. I'd love for you to follow the show on social media. You can find me publishing at The Creative Kind Show on Instagram and YouTube. Special thanks to Christine Park, a previous guest on the show, saying it was a pleasure working with Alex and being a part of The Creative Kind Show. He's got a great sense of what the creative community is like and had all the right questions in his back pocket to lead a very natural conversation about music. Felt very comfortable interviewing with Alex and the entire process was seamless and professional from start to finish. So that was really nice. That was from Christine. And if you've listened to the show and you think you would be a great guest or you know someone who you think would be a good guest, I'd love to hear from you. Next season is only like 14 episodes away every week. You can expect to hear this on Thursdays. This is your host, The Creative Kind. Don't hesitate to reach out if you want to come on the show. I'd love to have you on. 
you can send me an email at info at alexleonardmedia.com. Till next time, have a great rest of your week and a nice weekend ahead with Ontario opening up. Let's go. This is Alex Leonard, host of the Creative Kind podcast and owner of the creative company AL Media. My business specializes in videos, mural paintings, and illustrations. From working as a radio DJ, journalist, illustrator, painter, and now video editor, I've worn many creative hats. So visit alexleonardmedia.com to work together.